0: You're listening to the Outsider Sisters podcast series. This podcast exists to amplify the voices and tell the experiences of women and non-binary persons of colour who grew up or migrated to the UK. Outsider Sisters gives you an uncomfortable snapshot into the everyday shared life experiences of many people of colour living on this small island. In this episode, I speak to activist and professor of tourism, Donna Chambers. My name is Donna Chambers and
1: I am a Professor of Tourism at the University of Sunderland. Um, also the convener of a race, class and ethnicity research network.
0: Yeah. Could you tell me more about the network that you're involved in? Right.
1: So the network, the res- it's a research network and we actually, I actually um, started it. In March 2019. Mm -hmm. And basically, I started it because I was concerned about the sort of what I thought was the silencing of issues to do with race and racism, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly within the university context. I was concerned about issues to do with whiteness and white privilege, and also concerned with the sort of constant disadvantage, put it that way, that seemed to be happening with the sort of Black and Asian communities within the UK. And I thought that it would be good to bring together a number of different um, researchers from across the university into this network, because there wasn't a a research network that existed in the university that had to do with race, class and ethnicity. Um, It was one of the interdisciplinary networks that the university was supporting. Because um, they were encouraging us to work across faculties. And I thought that well, race, class and ethnicity was a good thing to do that kind of spanned different subject areas and different disciplines. So yeah, so that was why I put the network together, not only to do research, but also to be involved in um, activism as well, to sort of have a public engagement as well. So yeah, so that was why I started the network, and I've just we've had a number of events um, since last year, and I just actually finished a survey that we did with our BAME students around their
0: experiences at Sunderland. Okay.
1: So I just finished that report last week, so I'm glad
0: it's done. <laughs> and what were sort of the outcomes of that? Would you know yet?
1: Yeah, so I I was actually doing several presentations on some excerpts from the report. Um, both I've done presentations to the Students Union at Sunderland. I've done presentations to um, our Equality Diversity or Equality and Diversity group at the university. I've done presentation to Sunderland Unites, which is a community organisation that is um, that lobbies in terms of anti-racism. Um, so what I was doing with that survey was there were different aspects to the survey. I wanted to understand what students' experiences were with the support and academic services at the university. But I also wanted to find out whether the students had experiences of racism or discrimination on campus as well as off campus. Um, so it was very interesting because um, I did it, it was a kind of comparison between Sunderland campus and London campus. Okay. Yeah, and um, while most of the students actually said that they hadn't experienced racism or discrimination on campus, uh, most of the Sunderland students actually said that they had experienced racism and discrimination off campus in the Sunderland community. That does not surprise um, me. Well, it's not surprising. <laughs> but I thought what was really interesting was that we had some, um, some of the questions, even though it was a survey, some of the questions were open so students could just write in what they wanted to write in there. And there were some really interesting things that the students wrote in, which is, you know, some of it was quite disturbing to be honest. Um, so now um, what I'm hoping that from this report, because I've sent it on to the powers that be at the university, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that we will be able to kind of sit down and, you know, cause I made nine recommendations coming out of the report. And I'm hoping that, you know, we can sit down and actually see how we can actually, mm-hmm. Implement some of these through discussion with the students' union with the university, so that we can, you know, really make sure that our students never have to have these comments ever again.
0: In regards to the, your lecturing work on tourism, um, do you do you find that that feeds into what you do in terms of like um, talking about race and things like that? Always, are they very separate?
1: No, it does um, actually feed in because what I do in tourism is that I look at how people and places are represented. Um, So part of what I look at is, for example, how do we represent black people in tourism, like promotional material? Or what is it that is missing in tourism promotional material? Um, Because when I did my PhD, what I was looking at was representations of um, England in tourism material and I was looking to see what were the representations that were there and what was included and what was excluded. So I was looking to see whether, and I finished my PhD, like, what, how many years ago now? Um, Oh, there, from 2003. (laughs) I finished my PhD in 2003. And even from then, um, what I was looking at is how the colonial, you know, Britain's colonial past was actually represented in its tourism promotional material. So that's actually what I started out doing for my PhD and I've continued looking at issues to do with um, post-colonialism and decolonization within the context of tourism because most of the, a lot of the countries that are very dependent on tourism are Caribbean countries, um, countries that are in Asia and so on. So obviously there's a colonial connection there so much of the work that I do looks at that kind of colonial connection or post-colonial connection. So it very much, you know, it integrates with the tourism work that I do.
0: And I know um, with your, you've been a lecturer for quite a long time now. Um, but, you know, as I, I sent to you, you know, that like fewer than 1% of university professors are black um, and um and male professors continue to outnumber females by three to one. Mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed the lack of black women in education?
1: Yes, of course. its I, I don't know who wouldn't have noticed that. <laughs>
0: <There> well, <is. laughs> probably a lot of men wouldn't have noticed that or bothered to care about that.
1: Well, yeah, there is. Um, and I think, you know, when you talk about BAME as well, there's differences within the BAME community of because you have um, more sort of South Asian or Asian You know women in in at professorial level put it that way than you do actually women who are from black or african from from african or caribbean heritages so that is where you find the smallest numbers um bame BAME women are are small obviously but when you kind of drill down in the bame numbers as well um i think it's women who are of Black African and Black Caribbean heritage that are the least represented within, um, say at professorial level, or at the higher levels. um, within, But all women, all BAME women are underrepresented. I think that um, the word black has often been used more as a political statement. And it's about sort of, uh, really, black was being used to mean not white. And I think when you look at things like bra- when, where Black British feminism came in is where they were saying, what what brings us together is our kind of colonial history, because most people from India, from Pakistan, Bangladesh, all of these South Asian countries, along with African countries, Caribbean countries had similar, ex- well, had experiences of colonialism. So, and we were the sort of oppressed in the society. So I think that Black was used more as a political statement to mean not white. <laughs> Yeah, rather than right. drilling down to see, you know, are you sort of Asian? Are you, you know, from Thailand? Are you from wherever? So I think that was done in order to to, to add strength to the movement rather than fragment the movement. Yeah, um, yeah, but I think that, that now there's been a lot of discussion around the categorization of BAME. Because obviously there are different experiences within, mm-hmm. you know, that, that categorization. No, there are different, different, under, there are different ways that people see it. Some people think that we should all be together so that we don't fragment the movement because we have mm-hmm. strength in being bigger rather than smaller. Um, and then some people feel that that kind of obscures the different experiences that people have. So, you know, it, it's quite I think it's quite a complex issue.
0: It is, isn't it? It's complex. And I mean, I was I've read um, a book called Slaying Your Lane and they talk about um, black. It's it's focused on black women um, and it focuses on terms of that. A black Caribbean person you know, from island to island will have a very different experience of a black African person from country to country in Africa. And also in academia, black African children tend to do better than black Caribbean children. But at school, you know, we are lumped into one again. You know, it, it, it's almost like by putting us all together, it doesn't allow for differences in culture. So it is a really hard one to address. You know, do we come together or do we have to sort of admit that there are differences? Because you know, it's like, you know, from island to island, it de- there are islands that are, don't like each other very much. You know, there's...
1: I, can, I don't understand. No, I don't, I don't. I don't either, to be honest. I mean, I
0: know that I mean, my family are like, from yours, they're all like, where are, where are, what's your heritage again? Jamaican, that's it. Yeah, so I remember... My family are from, Cari- um, from the Caribbean, but like Saint Kitts, and it was always a case of like Jamaicans called us a lot of like small islanders, and it seemed to be this kind mm-hmm, of arrogance. Mm-hmm. But then it was like people from my island didn't like people from Jamaica, so then you know if you got called Jamaican, you were like so offended. So it it was it was almost this sort of internal hate within our own community. Um, but again, I guess that stems from colonialism as well.
1: Yeah, but I think also um, I think it's this kind of big small thing because it, it goes all the way back to the federation mm-hmm. that they tried mm-hmm. to, to to put together after um, the end of, you know, the, the end of colonialism when all the countries were becoming independent in the sort of late 50s, early 60s. And they wanted to have a federation of the Caribbean countries because they we were way too small to try to be independent on our own. And then when they tried to put the federation together, um, Jamaica decided that they didn't want to be part of the federation. And mm-hmm. then um, they said, well, if Jamaica pulls out of it, which is Jamaica is the biggest English speaking country um, in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, if Jamaica is not gonna be in, then it's gonna collapse and it did collapse. So mm-hmm. it, ne- it never worked, but you know, the Eastern Caribbean states still have a bit of a collaboration going on um you know so i think it's it's that kind of tension that exists and yeah. jamaicans are always seen as I don't know, by the other islanders as, as quite aggressive and quite, you know, Arrogance. arrogant. That's man. the thing The
0: thing that um, I remember, yeah, my so family talking it, about, you know, arrogant exactly. Jamaicans. Which yeah, yeah. But it's really it, diverse. It is, it is. a exactly. shame.
1: But it's a shame and I don't understand it because I love the Caribbean, you know. I've been to many of the islands, you know. Um, I, I don't, I, I really, really don't understand why we should be, you know I don't get that to be honest and I know a lot of people don't get it either so (laughs) so I don't think we should be you know
0: no we shouldn't um you know I was fed that as a young child about like almost like hate for Jamaicans and it's really sad like it I mean it wasn't necessarily from my mom as such but it was like you know you don't talk to someone who's Jamaican you don't like marry a Jamaican person it was it was quite intense really it was um it was almost as if. They weren't seen as part of the Caribbean. It was like they were left on their own. And, you know, you saying about in the Federation and that kind of thing, that makes more sense to me now. Yeah. I mean, but without knowing that history, I wasn't really aware of that. But it yeah. was interesting to see people feeding young children, that kind of rhetoric that yeah, it's you a You don't shame. even like your own.
1: It's a shame, but um, I think distance mm. is part of it as well because Jamaica is a little bit of a distance away from the Eastern Caribbean countries. Mm. Yeah. You know, because you're all on that sort of sort of archipelago, this whole range of islands on that eastern side of the Caribbean. There, you know, with Antigua, Saint Kitts, Nevis, mm-hmm. you know, Saint, yeah. you know, all of those, Dominica. Mm all of those are on that side, whereas Jamaica is on the other side. <laughs> yeah. So I think the distance and the fact that there haven't there hasn't been this kind of it's 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 um only in the past, what is it, few maybe decade or so that there was even links between them in terms of um yeah. plane. You know, you couldn't take a plane direct yeah. from Jamaica to go to say, you know, Barbados or somewhere like that. You know, you had to stop over in Antigua or, you know, I've been yeah. to the Caribbean and I have to go through Puerto Rico and all of these things. So, you know, that kind of linking. And exchange between the amongst the islands was also made understanding quite difficult. Hello, everybody, welcome. It's so lovely to see this support, the solidarity, with Black Lives Matter. My name is Donna Chambers and I just want to open um this this rally and I'm really, really happy to be here. Are you hearing me on the back? I didn't plan to stay in the UK, I just came to study.
0: And then never left.
1: Yeah. And then just one thing left, led to the other, led to the other. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm still here. So, <laughs> what,
0: what were your experiences of that, you know, was it a bit of an eye opener, a bit of um, like a shock? Actually,
1: this is really interesting because in Jamaica, we always saw Britain as not very advanced.
0: Mum says that about Grenada as well, like where she came from, uh, Trinidad actually, and she said that she was so much more educated and advanced. When yeah, she got here. We,
1: yeah, we always never saw Britain as being very advanced. I think because we were always looking more to America. So mm-hmm. a lot of the things that were happening in Jamaica were geared towards the states and geared because of the proximity to the states, because really, you could have breakfast in Miami and have lunch in Jamaica, you know, this is how close mm-hmm. we are to Miami. Um, So, you know, that southern part of the states. So I think a lot of the influences that came into Jamaica, I mean, after colonialism, where a lot of Americanisms came into the island. So we always used to see Britain as kind of not that as advanced as the states. So whenever we would say things like, oh, this song is number one in the UK and we would listen to it and said, oh, the only place that could be number one is in the UK because it's rubbish.
0: (laughs) We used to say the
1: only place that song could be number one is in the UK, ow, 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 and we used to laugh, you know, and we used to laugh at the clothes and look at that English shoes and you know, so we never really thought about it in terms of this kind of, we knew it was advanced, but we just weren't impressed, we weren't that impressed. Mm -hmm. And that could have been because of the colonial thing. It could be that, you know, a kind of unconscious rebellion against. The colonial, the whole colonialism. I don't know, but we just never had England, especially England. We didn't really talk about Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland. It was mostly England, yeah? We never thought about England as being this kind of, oh, we're so impressed. And I remember the first time I came to the UK, I was on the train and I was looking at the buildings and I thought, oh my God. God, they look old and broken down. You know, because you're not used to people being so happy to live in old buildings and you know it's mold and, everywhere. Yeah, and I we ju- I just looked at it and it was gray and it was the buildings look gray, everything just looked gray. And I thought, oh no, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> So it's just quite strange. Yeah, that was my first impression of when I came to England because I came to England first and I was like, oh, my God, this place is grey and dull. Like, now you like, live in the northeast, northeast where it's grey and dull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Scotland before.
0: I was. I lived in Scotland oh God, for about five must. years. Um, so,
1: yeah, it's interesting.
0: Did you find that you had um, sort of negative experience of like you know microaggressions and covert or overt racism when you got here, um, especially like sort of in your profession?
1: Um, I wouldn't. I I I can't really honestly say that I experienced anything that was overt. I haven't experienced anything overt. You know, like nobody called me names or really. You no, know, yeah, I've wow. never had anybody calling me any sorts of names or. But you you know that I think it's more covert. I think a lot of people would say that it's covert. I, you know, I keep saying to people, even whenever I'm at university, even though I'm a professor, when people look at me, they think I'm a student. Still, they never think that I'm a professor. You know, even um, everybody who would see me, they think I'm a student. Oh, what are you studying? Like, I'm not <clears> studying. <laughs> I'm actually a lecturer there, and you could see their faces change. You know, when you tell them, you know, whereas if you tell them that you're a professor, you know, it's like they can't believe it and they just think, really?
0: <laughs> Has anyone actually outwardly said, I don't like, wow, or "Oh, can't believe it. Have you ever had any sort of like really memorable, I guess, experiences of that?
1: They never said, well, you're a perfect. Well, actually this guy that lives across the road from me, um, he's, um, I think Bangladeshi. And I've been living in this house for six years now. And um, I think about a year ago, I mean, we usually say hello to each other, but no long conversation. And the other day, I don't know what it was, he saw me parking somewhere and I had to walk back to my car and um, he back back to, to my house. And he saw me and he started to chat with me and he said, oh, um, are you at the university? And I said, yes. And he said, what are you studying? And I said, I'm not a student, I'm actually a professor. And he was like, well, you're a professor and he's looking at me up and down. That means you're really, you're bright and you know, sounding shocked. And I was like, ha, 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 ha,
0: ha. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs>
1: So it was like, really? (laughs) And actually the other day, I bought, I think it was last year. And this really upset me. This one upset me. I went, I bought this pair of shoes from Clarks Mm -hmm. and you know, I bought it and I thought, oh, I don't like these shoes anymore. It doesn't really fit right. And I'm just gonna give it away to a charity shop in Sunderland. So I took the shoes to this charity shop in Sunderland and I went to the person who was at the, the cashier area. And I said, do you take shoes here? And she was like, oh, we don't buy shoes. I'm like, what? Said, buy shoes? Why would you think I'm here to sell shoes? Isn't this a charity shop? (laughs) I'm here to give you shoes. So, you know, just looked at me, saw a black person and thought, okay, I'm here to sell shoes because I need the money. I think sometimes I feel, maybe this is more the woman part coming up, you feel quite objectified when I go Mm. into, I don't go into a lot of pubs or anything, because if I go in there, everybody just looks at me, you know, it's like you're some kind of strange person from another planet. Um, And you feel it, you can tell, can't you? yeah, You Yeah, 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 you see them looking, you see them stop. It's so obvious. They stop and they turn and they look. You know, I try to think, oh, it's because I'm beautiful. You know, I kind of say it kind (laughs) of facetiously, you know. Yeah, it's because I'm beautiful. That's why they're looking. But Obviously, that's not it. And, you know, even recently, I was um, going to meet a couple of Greek friends of mine um, in, do you know the, um, uh, what's the pub called? Um, The Peacock. Oh, Oh, I don't know that one. Okay. Well, there's a, do you know where Keel Square is in Sunderland?
0: So I don't know Sunderland that well. Okay, to be yeah, I go okay, uni uh, there, but that's kind of it. okay. Anyway, so
1: there is a pub that they um in in um this area of the city that they're trying to regenerate, and I was supposed to meet um the my friends there because it was one of them birthday or something. And as soon as I walked into that pub, unfortunately, it was just as Sunderland was supposed to play football or something, so the pub was quite crowded. Unfortunately, and as soon as I walked in there, every single person turned around and looked at me. And my friends couldn't believe it because this is the first time they've ever seen that, you know. And I said to them, did you see them looking? Because, you know, because I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't imagining it. And they said, honestly, we've never seen anything like that. Why were they looking Jesus. at you like this? I said, really? Well, OK. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was Let, and this let's is see. just normal. You know, you just go into places and people just stare.
0: It's really strange. Just, I... I had a friend, uh, well, I have a friend and we went to a festival once and, um, we got stopped by the police on the way in because they were like you know, drug searching and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's never happened to me before. And she, it was sort of her proper first experience of what it's like to be a, around like a black person. Yeah. And you could just, she was terrified and she, I don't think she could really believe that sort of like my everyday worry. And I, I said to her, I, as we were driving and I said, they'll stop us out of all the cars, they will stop us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just a, such an experience, but I knew it would happen. Just knew. As soon as I see a checkpoint at a festival, I'd, I'm really surprised when I don't get stopped.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, because you just expect um, it.
0: You do. And there was no reason for it. Now, all these cars went through, but it was our car that got stopped.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's
0: usually either me or like young boys, young white boys or black boys, yeah. but it'll always be the black person yeah, or I the young person. Stopped. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've had experiences yeah. traveling with my white colleagues already, and I get stopped and they go through. Really? Yeah. yeah.
0: Have you been stopped? Have you been stopped before then? Yeah. At airports. Yeah. Like I've
1: traveled with, um, <gasps> yes, I was airport, going on a, on a, um was a work trip to France with my white colleagues. Um, not at, not from Sunderland Uni when I was working at another uni and we were going to France to do some, start some new program or something in a, in a, you know, a, a university in France, which we had a collaborative agreement with. And when I went to the airport, Gatwick, I think it was Gatwick or Heathrow, I can't remember which one it was. And you know, they just passed through, um, coming back when we're coming back, they just passed through and I was stopped. And they were on the other side looking at me, wondering what was going on. And I was like, you just go ahead, you go and leave me. Honestly, it's, it happened to me more than once. I remember when I just came to the UK actually, and um, I was a student and you know, a student always looking for work. Um, Mm -hmm. just to supplement, even though I did have a scholarship, but I still wanted, because I wanted to save money, and the scholarship would not allow me to save money, it was just enough to live on. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to save money, so I was always looking for work. And we used to sign up with these agencies, I think it was ADECO at the time. Oh yeah, Yeah, ADECO, yeah, ADECO. So I signed up with ADECO to see you know, whether, so when I was going to fill out the, the forms in ADECO, and the woman looked at me and said, oh, your English is very good, where are you from? And I said, Jamaica. And she said, Yeah, your English is really good. Um, what language do they speak in Jamaica? I was like, Really? So I Uh, said to her, We speak Swahili. No, I told her we speak Swahili. (laughs) And she didn't even blink. (laughs) She didn't even blink. to say something about black lives matter we all know where it started it started actually from 2013 in the united states and it was really because of the killing of yet another black man this time it wasn't from the police but it was from a vigilante we all know trayvon martin was only 17 years old when he was gone down by a vigilante and people just decided enough was enough because in Jamaica, there is a different sort of thing happening. And I think it's similar in the rest of the Caribbean as well. There is the thing that we call colorism or shadism. Yes, That's what you're affected by in Jamaica. Because you know, the lighter skin you are, the more you're seen as beautiful and mm-hmm. This sort of thing. Um, so tiring. But um, yeah, but here, it, it, you know, as they say in the States, is a one drop rule, right? It's kind of the one drop rule, you know, the one drop thing, where even if you have one drop of black blood, you're black.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, That's what yeah. I say, you know, so, you, I, I always say uh, you'll always be seen as black. As soon as you have a little yeah. bit of colouring, you're seen as black. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so here it's quite different because the shadism doesn't really come into play, like everybody's black hair. Whereas in Jamaica, there is this kind of shadism going on, you know, because, you know, they call you the browning, the brown skin one, you know, <laughs> so they call called kind of lighter skinned people browning when they're talking about women. Um, yeah, you know, know, the browning down the road, man. <laughs> do they really do that? Yeah, yeah, the browning. Yeah, that means a wow. light skinned person. Usually used to refer to women, obviously. I remember when, um, do you know Bujabantan?
0: Oh, uh, of course, I know Boogie yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, but I you, spent a lot of time in the Caribbean and he yeah, was so popular. <laughs>
1: yeah, Boogie came out with this song, man. Oh my God, Boogie came up with this song. Me love me car, me love my bike, me love my money and ting. So what above, was it called? Say that again. Bronin. Oh my Sorry.
0: God. Oh. Say that again. What yeah. did it say? Say that
1: Sorry, again. What did it say? say? He said, me love me car, me love me bike, me love me money and ting. But most of all, me love me brownin. Your light skin, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell you, when he came up with that song, it was people were kicking off like nobody's business, saying, "Really, Walla, eh, eh. And people started kicking off, and then would came back with this other thing, this other song saying, black woman, black woman, <laughs> in order to make reparations. <laughs> oh, Lord. oh, Lord. Because he got so much flack for the song about you loving Browning. And I tell you, the people ripped into him until he had to come with this other song talking about black woman. And I'm telling you, because it was well, a lot of people, you know, talk about the Browning, you know, the Browning is a beautiful one. You know, and you have nice hair and, you know, your hair is long and it's nice and, you know, and your skin is pretty, you know, like dark skinned black people like me were never seen as pretty, never.
0: I think colorism definitely needs more conversation and it's not a conversation that people are having very much at the moment, you know, in the UK, you know. I think it's it's starting to, but colorism over this side, are, you know, saying shadism, I didn't even know the the, the term shadism until you've just said it. Um, it's nothing I've ever heard before. Um, but I know the feeling of it, but I just I said I never knew there was really a word for it up until recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And but especially directed at... Yeah, and it's directed yeah. at, like you said, it's directed at black women, you know. And oh, you know, Not I was after. reading about how it's to do with like slave owners having children with um, yeah. black women, and then bringing in the light-skinned slave children yeah. into the home because they were passable. Yeah, slave. the house
1: slave. Yeah, that's a house and slave, the field and fields, then
0: yeah. yeah, that's a house and field slave, and then also the house slaves start, started to get that feeling of sort of superiority. Yeah. And then shaming the darker skinned people because they felt yeah. that they were then part of that. And that then feeds into the whole colonialism and still carries on now. Yeah. yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah. And
0: then again, you know, um, what I've been asking, you know, some other people as well is like it's talking about the hype, you know, as a, a black woman, you know, do you feel like fetishized and hypersexualized? I mean, I don't know if you've had that experience yourself um, and I'm sure you've read about it. But have you had that experience yeah, that, yourself? Yeah. Um, In what way have you experienced that?
1: I haven't experienced that. I mean, I I, I never thought I was attractive in the first place much more to think I was hypersexualized because (laughs) because of the whole thing that you, you know, you never thought you were attractive because of, you were so dark, you know, you have, as they call it, nappy hair sort of thing. Nappy hair, yes. Um, Yeah, the nappy hair and, you know, your dark skin. So I never thought of myself as any kind of sexual being at all. Um, So I think... um, you hear men saying oh you know you have these myths about once you 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 try black you never go back and all this sort of nonsense Mm -hmm. and you know that you know black women you know they want to try a black woman and you know i don't i've never had anybody (laughs) saying that to me but maybe they think it but i don't know i've never explicitly had this, but I know that that said. Um, and when you look at representations, because I do a lot of work in terms of representation, mm-hmm. images. You know, when you look at pictures and images of of black women, it's often quite in this kind of sexualized way. Um, I did a book chapter about how women, black women, were represented in a particular feminist magazine, and um, a lot of them were sort of represented in this kind of, you know, in the same
0: they're oh, this
1: kind sorry, of person
0: that looks like the mommy you know the sorry. big fat woman hello oh sorry you're here yeah sorry it just I went dead for a second know. sorry yeah. i heard you yes. say the the mammy. Yeah. can you say that again uh,
1: yeah so the black woman is like the mammy,
0: at one representation is the black woman as a mammy. you know what the mammy is oh yeah of course yeah i've talked about this oh, before yeah. With yeah. like laura yeah. you know even you know tom and jerry the cartoon yeah, Tom yeah, and Jerry yeah, yeah. where Very you know you, you, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you clearly know that the yeah, one yeah. saying like Thomas like hey, she is a black mammy figure yeah yeah she's and yeah, people yeah. used to but think it was show, she they was they never
1: used to show the faces
0: of course they, they, they didn't but we bodies, knew but not the
1: faces yeah
0: exactly but we people people don't even realise that it is that mammy character they think oh it's just um, Tom's like Mom, I guess, like the the mother of the house. But actually, you realise she's a she's a housemaid. How you know she's a a black housemaid? It's a stereotype, but I don't think people, probably white people in particular, were never really aware of that. Like as we got older, but I was very aware of that. And it is that, like you said, it's that mammy figure, or as you're probably going to say, it's that sexualized um, yeah, the Jezebel, or you know, this kind of figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: This is how they're represented, Black women. But the point about Black women is that they're, they're never represented as um, cerebral, you know, as being, mm-hmm. being intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always about, and I think sometimes with Black men as well, that it's always, you know, and I think it was, um, when you look at the decolonial literature, it's like Black people are seen as having culture, but no intellect you know, yeah, they're, that's so right. they're, they're not seen that's as nice. intellectual, yeah, they're not seen as intellectual, they're seen as being singers, you know, musicians, sports people, you know, cultural people, but not really seen as being intellectual. So I think that is the whole way that black people are represented. So if you see a black man or a black woman, especially a black woman, who is very intellectual, it's like people don't know how to deal with it. Do you feel that I, they um, don't know how to deal so, with you? I, I think so, that people don't know how to deal with me, for instance, mm-hmm. at every single university that I've been at, I feel that people just don't understand how to deal with me, other people, because they just don't know, they just can't place me in anything, you know, so they, they can't just, put you in that box of, that they've yeah, created. Yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that um like BAME women's voices are left out of conversations? In terms of, you know, even down to Black Lives Matter, you know, how would you feel like we've been left or is that, is that something that you've noticed?
1: Um I don't know in the in the UK but but remember that it was three black women who started Black Lives Matter in the states. But you
0: would never know that yeah. really though yeah, until you, you look into yeah. it.
1: Yeah 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 so it was the three black women who started it. But even mm. when it remember remember the whole furor that came up with the Me Too movement because the the woman mm-hmm. who started it was a black woman yes, and then it was I only when Alice is it Alissa the, the actress um Oh, Illisaret. Oh, who, uh, what's her
0: name? No, but, you know, it wasn't it was the other one.
1: About, you know who oh. I'm talking about anyway. It wasn't until yeah, that her. white actress sort of said it that it became this big thing. And, um, you know, people kind of forgot that it was a black woman who started the Me Too thing. But because it was this white female actress woman who picked it up, and she she claims that she didn't know about the black woman one, right? She claims that she didn't know about it, and as soon as people told her, she corrected it. You know, she said, you know, kudos to the black woman whose name I've forgotten. I can't remember anything right now, but, um, you know, so I think black women, and you know, that's the whole the whole issue with black feminism that black women are silenced in the feminist movement and they're silenced in the racism and anti-racism movement. Because when you think about anti-racism, you think about black men. And when you think about feminism, you think about white women. So black women are in this kind of nowhere space. You know, they're not seen in the discussions about racism and they're not seen in discussions about feminism because white women have taken over feminism and black men have taken over racism. So it's like the black women are in this gap where nobody cares. (laughs)
0: someone said to me in interviews i've been doing that which i keep repeating to people that we're at like the bottom of the food chain um and i was explaining to that person that i feel like we are so at the bottom we're we've become completely invisible aside from the features that we have so you know our our breasts our buttocks our lips but bits of us are taken out but we're completely left out of the conversation, you know, we, we've just become like commodities, bits that they can take away from us. But it's almost like we're not seen. Um, you know, I, I often feel like I'm completely invisible. Walking down the street, yeah, I feel, you know, yeah. someone might stare at me a bit, but I feel like I'm completely invisible. You know, someone might walk in front of me in a queue, or even when I'm in a car, um, I feel, I just feel invisible. Yeah, um, I've, had feel like <laughs> I've had people jumping before.
1: I've had
0: people like, didn't you... you see me? Didn't you see me well, standing that's... here? <laughs> I know don't I said it this to me can me you not see events. me can you not, yeah, can yeah, you yeah, not yeah. see me, me actually can, but I don't think they actually see us I think we are invisible no.
1: yeah they don't see
0: <laughs> and that's what I find I think I actually find that the most upsetting out of everything you know I, we try so hard you know you're a professor you've tri- you've worked so hard to get to where you are and you mm. still are belittled and t- asked if you're a student yeah. you know and you you get to this age and you get to this you've reached pretty much you know you've reached the heights that yeah. people would dream of and yet you still aren't taken seriously it's like what do we actually have to do yeah but we have to what they want us to do is to get our breasts out and dance about um <laughs> be cultural but, yeah be cultural be sexy <laughs> have our braids have our box braids and dance around in bikinis and oh but if you're fat or if you're too dark-skinned you don't you don't exist have you been asked about black lives matter and if so like how did that make you feel like did you ever ask to talk about it from the prospect of you know being black and because i was asked quite a few times in the end i had to start saying no because my time was taken for was taken Mm -hmm. up did you find that
1: yes i did yeah because i i wrote that piece for the um i wrote a piece on it for um that was sent out kind of like a press release and then from that I just kept getting calls about do you want to talk on this program do you want to do this video do you want to do this do you want... and I got tired myself until eventually somebody asked me do you want to do a video and I said no <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I said I'm
1: tired I'm exhausted I, I just can't do anymore so yeah I did I got asked about it pretty often yeah
0: I'm still it getting asked until today. today yeah it's <laughs> until kind
1: of Eastern. stuff now It's eased off with me, you know, but I just think, yeah, it's like everybody wanted suddenly, suddenly everybody wanted to know your opinion.
0: Last year, I was not getting asked about, I mean, with Sister Shaq, I was getting asked a couple of things, but I was barely asked anything. And now suddenly, Black-led organisation, who I've always been pretty vocal, but I was ignored. The vocal was ignored until Black Lives Matter blew up. And then it was kind of like, oh, can we just talk to you for a minute? Can we have your free time? Um, you know, I'll do it for my black community. That's absolutely fine. I'll happily do that. But I want to be paid if I'm doing it from the white gaze. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: yeah, everybody was suddenly interested in what we thought. We hadn't mm-hmm. been seen before, but suddenly, oh, yeah, there's a black professor in Sunderland. Let's talk to her. <laughs>
0: one of the one of the fewer than 1%. <laughs> but I'm
1: the only black, black woman professor in Sunderland. I understand I'm the first mm-hmm. one.
0: You're the first one.
1: First one. Yeah. The first black woman professor in Sunderland.
0: You're not.
1: I am. Yeah.
0: Wow. And this is,
1: We're in 20. I got made a professor in 2016.
0: So oh my gosh,
1: I'm the first one. Yeah, I don't think there is an I think there's another professor who is from Egypt. Um, A black, well, a woman who's from Egypt. Don't know if she thinks of herself as black. Maybe I don't know. I have actually never spoken to her about whether she thinks of herself as black or she thinks of herself as Arabic. You know, because a lot of North Africans think of themselves more as Arabic rather than necessarily black. So I've never actually spoken to her about that.
0: My God, that's 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 really. But I know a black
1: woman there as a professor. Yeah. Oh
0: my gosh. But yeah. it, that actually that really actually surprises sucks. me.
1: There isn't um, even where... a black man professor either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's no black man in, in that sub-professor.
0: Jeez, I suppose yeah. if you go down <laughs> south, there'd be a lot more. But yeah, up in the northeast, you're uh, grabbing, grabbing, uh, <laughs> clutching at straws <laughs> to find any. Um, yeah.
1: What
0: What barriers do you think that society sort of needs to address and tip over in terms of like you know, black, the black experience?
1: I think a lot of it is about um, education, you know, and also even though this is allegedly a multicultural society, people don't mix with each other, you know, you have the Asian community there, you have the Chinese community there, you have the, you know, sort of black African community there, you have people not really mixing with each other in kind of social settings a lot. And I think that That also leads to stereotyping, misunderstandings, and I think education is really, really important. A lot of people don't know the history, they don't know about other cultures because they don't mix, they don't want to learn about it. And I think that education is really important and I'm not saying that because I am in education. But I think that that's really important in order to break down these stereotypes that people have and this kind of you know lack of knowledge and lack of understanding of other cultures and other people. So I think that that's a big step that needs to be taken. I was quite shocked when I came here that people weren't learning about um, the colonial history in schools. Yeah, I
0: mean, colonialism is something that I've even not. I haven't known much about, I mean, I know about like my, my history of like the Caribbean and, you know, the slaves and being brought over from Africa to these Caribbean islands and pushing away all the indigenous people to make way for, um, black Africans. And, but, Yeah, I've not really ever known it in such detail up until the last few years about, and there's still so much more for me to learn.
1: Yeah, but I think there, as I keep saying that, there are so many silences in education system. In Jamaica, you know, in terms of education, I'm not talking about when you go to university, because when you go to university, you can choose to do whatever, but the sort of compulsory sort of, you know, pre-16 or pre-18 education, um, I think there is a silence around Africa prior to slavery and colonialism, Yes. so we don't really know a lot about African kingdoms and what was going on in Africa before colonialism and before slavery, right, because it's like our Caribbean history starts with the slavery, with the Middle Passage, Mm -hmm. and we learn a lot about that, but what was happening in Africa before that, we didn't learn a lot about that. In the UK, they didn't learn, they don't learn a lot about colonialism and that sort of thing. And in Africa, they don't learn a lot about slave trade. Wow. So it's like there are these silences that are happening in the three, in, you know, in that triangle, right? Definitely. So the UK, they don't learn a lot about colonialism or even about Africa before the Africans. Africans don't, don't learn a lot about slavery. And then the Caribbean, people don't learn a lot about what is ha- what was happening in Africa before slavery. So there are all of these silences in these connected histories which is quite interesting to me. <laughs> that there these gaps know, and I'm, silences.
0: Oh sorry. I'm interested as well in you know the indigenous people that existed in the West Indies before um Caribbean, yeah, we learned, before people we learned were born from Africa. Those, we learned about those at school, like the but We do and the Caribs and Yeah. And that's it. in the UK we don't learn any of that. No, it's almost as thing that you think the like uh black Caribbean people were born there, but we weren't Caribbean, we were from Africa. Yeah, different yeah, parts yeah. of Africa and we're almost like removed and it's like, I'm Caribbean, I'm African, but our bloodline is Africa.
1: But um, a lot of a lot of people in the Caribbean get upset if you told them that they were African. Yeah, they do. Because they it's a shame, it's a shame, you know, they yeah, feel ashamed. But it's not that long ago,
0: it wasn't that long ago, it was no, no, a couple they feel ago. You know?
1: To say that they are African because of the whole way that Africa is portrayed, you know, it's always mm-hmm. about either sub starvation, corruption, war, you know, there are no success stories that people see from Africa. So when Jamaican, when some Jamaicans you tell them that they're Africans, they get upset, me not come from Africa.
0: <laughs> well, you did probably a couple hundred years ago, you definitely did. You're probably only like three or four generations Caribbean.
1: It's only the Rastafarians um, that were pushing the Africa story. You know, the, Af- yeah. the, the, the The Rastafarians were instrumental in this kind of black consciousness, Marcus Garvey, you know, Rastafari, all of those were instrumental in bringing across the sort of African heritage. And I think that that was where people started to, to get more interested in Africa and not everybody, but you know, because Rastafarians were vilified when they just came up seen as dirty, nasty you know, good for nothing, you know, they were vilified in Jamaica, Rastafarians. you how long, how long that policeman had his knee on George Floyd's neck. That gives you an idea of the length of time. No wonder the man's life was drained out of his body, despite him crying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. You
0: know, it was just- what three words would you describe what it is to be a black woman? Or in your experience, what it is to be a black woman? Hmm. <laughs>
1: Wow. Um I would say <laughs> I would say strong. You see, I'm you see, I'm going back now to sister to, to Maya Angelo, which is everybody loves Maya Angelo, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and everybody do. loves yes, the still do. I rise poem. And I just always think of myself as this kind of black woman who is strong, powerful, beautiful, you know. I'm not talking about beautiful physically, necessarily. Oh, yes, you know i think yeah that's how i feel as a black woman all positive i don't have any negative words to say about being a black woman that's how i feel now how other people see me is a different (laughs) thing of course other people treat me it's different but i would say very strong beautiful powerful
0: yeah thank you for listening to the second episode of the outsider sisters podcast Much thanks to Donna Chambers for her time and insight. For more information about Donna and this series, please refer to the podcast show notes. Until the next time, thank you for listening to Outsider Sisters, hosted by Chantelle Herbert.